Hi, I'm Greg Lefebvre, and this is The Compulsive Storyteller, a series of short personal stories where we explore the idea that truth can be stranger than fiction. This week's episode, entitled Dysfunctional Family Fun, takes us on vacation when my family heads out for a weekend camping trip. On our ill-fated boat trip on an island in Lake George, we encountered just about every type of mishap and disaster known to man. Some high comedy, others dark tragedy. Dysfunctional Family Fun Mom always wants our family to spend more time together. She thinks my two sisters, Michelle and Leslie, and I would be much less likely to stray from the straight and narrow, and my dad would be much more present if we did things as a family. Once I go off to college, though, I'm not interested in this charade anymore because we are the very definition of a dysfunctional family. Somehow, though, all of us get roped into one last camping trip. We're going to take our 16-foot Lyman motorboat on a trailer behind the car to Lake George for a weekend. The plan is to go camping on an island. The first challenge comes when backing the station wagon and boat down a narrow launch ramp into the water. There are a number of other boaters waiting in line behind us with their boats, and all find it great fun to watch how different families get along while launching their boats. Mom is highly anxious as Dad starts to back up the boat and trailer. Her job is to stand outside the passenger side of the car and help direct him. The rear of the boat hasn't even reached the top of the ramp before she calls out hysterically, Bill, stop! Stop! You're going to miss the ramp! Which brings smiles to the other boaters and frowns to my sisters and I who've witnessed this family humiliation many times before. We all walk away out of shame to the sounds of, Betty, shut up. I know what I'm doing. Be careful, Bill. Be careful. Go right. Go left. Keep it straight. No, 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 no. She calls out as if the world is about to end. After all the tumult, the gang watching applauds when the boat finally floats off the trailer. This is our cue to return to the ramp. My job is to go into the water, unhook the boat, and motor over to the dock. We load all of our gear into the boat and pull out onto the lake. When my dad asks, Betty, did you check the weather forecast? Her response, which doesn't really answer the question, is, it'll be fine. Then he warns, I don't know, the sky in the direction of the island looks awfully dark. The storm comes across the water quickly, but luckily there's no wind at all. Just a very hard, straight-down torrential rain. Once we're in it, Visibility diminishes to almost zero. Then the engine conks out. Now it's my mother's turn to point the finger. Did you check the gas before we left? His excuse is, it must be flooded from the rain. My mother reaches for the handle of the gas tank, which she hefts and finds it to be empty. Yeah, right. Flooded? We're all getting soaked through, but it's summer, so it's almost refreshing. We decide to use our water skis to paddle with, but no sooner have we started paddling, Then our dog, Rusty, whose long-haired coat is heavy with rainwater, decides to jump ship. He leaps over the gunnel and starts swimming for the shore, disappearing into the rain. We try to change course with our makeshift paddles, but then he reappears from the mist 
swimming in the opposite direction. This folly lasts for a couple of loops. Then the dog returns to the edge of the boat exhausted, and we haul him on board. Dad may not have checked the gas tank, but he did bring along his compass. Since there's so little visibility, the compass is the only way we can accurately head for the island. Raining, rowing, raining, rowing. And then the faint, misty silhouette of the wooded island appears dead ahead. While the family unloads the boat, I head into the woods to find a place to pitch the tent. I decide on a spot on top of a hill that won't be flooded while we're sleeping in the tent. I'm extremely arachnophobic, so I freak out when I run into a wet spider web and feel that the spider might be on my body somewhere. No one is at all happy as we set up our tent in the downpour, up close against a picnic table where we can cook, protected by the overhead flap of the tent. At this point, my father starts on my mother again. If you'd have checked the weather, we wouldn't be in this soggy mess. Bill, I did check the weather, and this wasn't in the forecast in Albany. And if you'd have checked the gas, we would have reached the island before the storm. I interrupt. Really, guys? You're going to stand there in the pouring rain, pointing the finger at each other? Just stop it. Now. And they do. Because of the rain, the Coleman stove doesn't work, so I decide to use some of my Boy Scout tricks to build a fire. Armed with some birch bark and dried twigs I found inside of a knothole in a nearby tree, I managed to build a small, smoky fire which goes out immediately. My sisters both laugh, my parents laugh, and then I laugh. The comic relief is short-lived, though, because a spider crawls up my arm and I scream, Get it off me! Get it off me! which my dad does, but I'm not laughing anymore. The bright light of our lantern has attracted lots of wet spiders, and before long, they're all around us, heading for inside the dry tent. Deciding who sleeps where is like solving Rubik's Cube. I want to sleep far away from the door of the tent, where the spiders might enter. My little sister wants the same, but because monsters might enter there too. My parents want to sleep as far from each other as possible, and my sister Michelle doesn't care where she sleeps. Ah, yes, the happy campers. I can't sleep a wink because every itch feels like a spider. So I get up and sit on the picnic table under the flap, and Rusty sits miserably under the table. Before dawn, the rain ends, and I realize that the dog has disappeared. I start to call out his name, Rusty, Rusty, but no response. Then I panic. What if he tries to swim to the shore again? He'll never make it. As I pass by a big fallen tree, there he is, covered with mud, sheltering in a dry corner under the upturned root ball. We take a walk together around the island and look out across the lake, where we can see a few twinkling lights in the distance along the shore. After dawn, Dad has managed to get the stove going, and my parents now have something new to argue about, how to fry an egg. After breakfast, he speaks up. I think we should head home. Everyone wholeheartedly agrees, except for my mom, who says, but the storm has passed. We can dry everything out and finally enjoy this place. She is outvoted four to one. 
Because we're all sleep-deprived, soaked to the bone, and cold, she doesn't stand a chance. Another boat arrives while we're loading our boat, and they give us a little gas to motor back to the boat ramp. After pulling out the boat, Dad suggests, How about lunch at McDonald's? Everyone enthusiastically agrees. This was back in the days when McDonald's didn't have indoor dining, and customers waited online at a takeout window in the front. All three of us kids, with muddy knees and elbows and dirty faces, make a pretty picture, not unlike the famous painting of Valley Forge, with the defeated Continental troops bandaged and hobbling along. The dog, now on a leash, is also muddy with pine needles and leaves mixed in. My dad, though, he really takes the cake. He's wearing his pajama tops, which are rumpled and soiled. His hair is sticking out in every direction, and he hasn't shaved. And instead of wearing his wet jeans, he has on his boxer shorts hanging below his PJs. My mother tells him, Bill, you can't wait online in your underwear. Watch me, he responds. Besides, everyone will think they're my swim trunks. When we finally reach the takeout counter and we all crowd around to order, the man behind the counter looks us over and says to my father, Good afternoon, sir. You look like you've had a really rough morning. Because we're all a little slap-happy from not sleeping, we start to laugh and can't stop. Needless to say, the people behind us are annoyed because we're holding up the line. And when they complain, my father whispers to us, Hey, if they can't take a joke, screw them. Which makes us laugh even louder. So in the end, it's us against the world. And for a moment, just a moment, we actually feel like a happy, functional family. Impulsive Storyteller is written and narrated by me, Greg Lefebvre, and co-produced with Peter Kokoma, who also composed this week's music and made our theme song. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love your help sharing the show. Please subscribe to The Compulsive Storyteller for free on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen, and it would be great if you could leave a review. Follow the show on Instagram, at The Compulsive Storyteller, and check out our website for more info at thecompulsivestoryteller.com. Thanks for listening, and if you didn't like this one, the next one will be another story.